This content is only for adults. The Holy Queen, Mother of Jesus, Spouse of the Holy Spirit, Queen of Nations, Queen of all hearts, the Woman of Revelation, the Queen of Peace, asks you to spread her call to the ends of the earth. Medjugorje.com A tool for you to spread Our Lady's way of life and change the world. Medjugorje.com Brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. Spread to all your family and friends. Medjugorje.com From Caritas of Birmingham. This is Medjugorje.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. Undeniable. Unstoppable. No one on earth will escape it. Changing the course of history till the last man walks the earth. Never has the world seen before, and once gone, never will they see again. Medjugorje, the apparitions of the Virgin Mary, the Queen of Peace, the final call to conversion, and the last apparitions on earth. Medjugorje, the fulfillment of all Marian apparitions by a friend of Medjugorje, available from Caritas of Birmingham. Order on medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and click on Medjmart, or call in the U.S. 205-672-2000. Medjugorje, the fulfillment of all Marian apparitions. It has been the destination for over 35 million people. Nations have come and gone since it began. Governments changed. Regimes toppled. Across the world, a new time is ushering in. A time of peace. Medjugorje, the mystical village chosen by God, to speak a message of peace and salvation. For centuries, Christians have visited holy sites to receive graces and blessings, but few have in the moment of the events happening. Medjugorje, 
is in real time. A pilgrimage to Medjugorje involves everything from joys to hardships, from agonies to ecstasies. A pilgrimage to Medjugorje is not something you can trust to anyone. Join those who have given their lives to this event of biblical proportions. BVM Caritas Pilgrimages with over 30 plus years of living and breathing Medjugorje is the best way to go to Medjugorje. Founded by a friend of Medjugorje who formed the pilgrimage format which is still strictly followed today. BVM Caritas is recognized as the best pilgrimage going to Medjugorje. Medjugorje, always bigger than you think. Think big. Think Medjugorje. Call in the U.S. 205-672-2000, extension 218. Or visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com, and click on Medjugorje Pilgrimages. Our Lady's apparitions are to prepare the world for a time of peace and victory. But these same messages will be used by those in the ultimate battle in which, through the Gospel of Mary, she, the woman, shadowed not even by the greatest angel or saint, and in the light of her Son, will crush the serpent's head, and who, at his glorious return, will cast the serpent into the eternal flame forever. He who chokes at the words, Gospel of Mary, does not know her. Jesus said, You do not know me because you do not know my Father. If you knew him, you would know me. Because you do not know me, you do not know he who sent me. If you do not accept Mary's words, you do not accept her son's words. If you knew her son was the word, you would recognize her words and her son who sent her. His mother said that she would give messages as it has never been in history from the beginning of the world. In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. For you who do not accept her words, how then do you accept the word? Mary's Gospel, the echo of the word given in a new way, a new understanding, are immense, and that their effects will affect all creation until the final battle in which the serpent's head will be crushed, never to rise again. Whether the final battle be ten years or one thousand years from now, we are being given a gift, a grace, incomprehensible in this moment that will give passage to many future Christians to survive amidst the great tribulation, the suffering under the anti-church until Jesus in the glorious moment comes back. 
As men confined in mortal bodies, limited in so much humanness, we are not able to see Mary as God sees her. We can pray to comprehend, to rise above the confines of the flesh in better knowing Mary. But we will never know and understand Mary as she is known by God. She who is in the midst of the Trinity comes on the second day of the newborn millennium and says, Never as much as today, my heart is begging for your help. I, your mother, am begging my children that they help me to realize what the Father has sent me for. Shudder, O man, that she who alone can dwell deep in the midst of the Trinity, where no being can dare go, not even the angels. And now she is before you, begging. How, man, have you responded to her words? This is Metrigoria.com. Stay tuned for our regular radio wave broadcast, brought to you by Caritas of Birmingham. This content is only for adults. You're listening to Radio Wave with a friend of Metrigoria. In the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may Today is Saturday, May 13th, 2017, and this is a Radio Wave special with a friend of Medjugorje. Nineteen seventeen, twenty seventeen. 2017. A history of portion of time on earth unlike any other century before. The great world wars, the people, the visionaries of 1917 in Fatima, the visionaries who still see our lady now in 2017, the opening and the closing, and who are the people? There's people in past history several thousand years ago, that still live on in what they did and said. Homer, Plato, you got Socrates, Aristotle. Then you have, coming into the New Ages, you have the saints, you had Christ, who walked the earth, the apostles, to the Middle Ages, and St. Francis, these greats that can never be replaced 
There were individuals that altered the world, and they're still called upon to make certain points or teach or to show the way, both toward good or maybe too bad. And then you got this 19, 1700 years to today, and you have these three little visionaries, and in their lifetime span of what they began and what is ending in Medjugorje, 2017, you had Churchill, you had President Kennedy, you had other greats, too numerous to mention. Of all these, who's just going to be destined to win, leaving no mark on history? Yes, Hitler will. He's not necessarily destined to win as far as him being infamous for what he did. But there's something about this century that man's never experienced before. When we come into the 50s and the 60s, the Great World War II, those post-years that came and brought us into a degradation that the world has only seen before Noah and the Flood. And we think that everything's just going to pass and we're going to continue. Little visionary Lucia in Fatima Ask Our Lady about a 14-year-old friend of hers named Amelia, who had died recently. It's astounding what Our Lady said. Think about the purity of that time, even with the war, but how the peasants and how people normally lived and how strong Catholicism and Christianity was. And Our Lady said this about Amelia. She said that she would eventually be in heaven, but that she will be in purgatory until the end of the world. Astounding. What did this little 14-year-old girl do that she sits in purgatory to the end of the world? So maybe we might think that might not be that bad until you hear what St. Catherine of Siena said. She said, I saw the torrents of hell and those of purgatory No words can describe them. Had poor mortals the faintest idea of them, they would suffer a thousand deaths rather than undergo the least of their torments during a single day. And Our Lady said that she would eventually be in heaven, but that she would be in purgatory and to the end of the world. And you hear this Saint Catherine who states, They would rather suffer a thousand deaths than one single day with the least punishments in purgatory. We're in a time that has to be penetrated with deep reflection that if that's the case for a girl who lived and died somewhere in 1917, of what our lady says, what of now? I wonder why our lady's even here. So you got these great names. You got many names that are just dust in the wind. Many lives that are just dust in the wind. They'll never be known for anything. But heaven records everything, so does hell. We have people in the 60s as teenagers who grew up and are considered the greats who is running things or who's known. People like the Clintons and these type of people that grew up in the wild 60s who brought these things and the degradations to where we are today and those who have perpetuated sin 
and an inherited society that deems it necessary that Our Lady has to come and close out this hundred years. All this says something to us. Many things of the past can speak to us today in the conditions of the world, especially in light of the apparitions and the messages. What we heard decades ago can mean something completely different now today through the view of the messages. So looking at this 100-year anniversary of Fatima, recently you initiated this Winds of Change billboard with the image of Our Lady of Medjugorje on it. Do you really see or do you really have a belief that the world is actually really changing, that Our Lady, the presence of Our Lady in the world today, because when you look at the world, it doesn't look like 
it looks like things are getting worse. And so do you really have the belief that everything that we've witnessed or experienced in this past 100 years, that there really is, Our Lady really is ushering in a new wind of change? Well, the wind, something she said, is my sign. We got it actually is such an important message. It's the only message in the field of apparitions. It's on underneath the altar. Where Lady says, the wind is my sign. In Genesis, it talks about wind swept over the waters. In Exodus, it talks about a mighty wind of the east. It swept out over the sea and parted it before the Israelites. Everybody knows that story. But it was the wind that did it. And of course, after the fall of man, the Bible reads in Genesis that they heard the Lord moving in the evening, in the breezy time of the day. What does the footnote say about that? The breezy time of the day literally means the wind of the day. We know that in Palestine, a cooling breeze blows off the sea. And so we have all these things, and that's in the evening. And it's just before sunset this happens. And that speaks of the time of the apparitions of Medjugorje at 640, when that first happened. Why is it 640? Why such a strange time? Why is it not 6 o'clock? Because a lady appeared after all and lured at 6 a.m. And after 6 a.m., the next apparitions of Fatima was 12 o'clock. And here it is. We go back to the evening. Why is it not just 6 p.m.? Because we're in the last hour. It's 20 till the hour. It's 640. And what happens after that? Dark. It's just like the wind coming off in the sunset off the Sea of Palestine. It's a sign of evening. Darkness coming. And we need a mighty wind. We know on Pentecost that they heard it in the upper room, the rushing of the wind. This speaks to us. Even these songs from the 60s. Everything is a sign of message if you start looking at everything through the eyes of the messages. God wants to speak to you through man, through nature, in various other ways. And she's coming at this time, speaking to us. And what what are, what are various ways that she speaks to us? Why does she even say, I, I'm in the wind? No, when the wind blows, I'm there. Who, who, what is she coming here for to the world? What is she giving to us? Answers. We need answers. That's what everybody's going to Congress for. They're going for this. They're looking for this person. What's the answer? Mary is the answer. And so we have the song, Winds of Change, that swept all the way through Europe. It was huge, and they played this for two years. Going down to Russia, Russia fell, talking about going to Gorky Park. Even if the song's not fullness in explaining something, partially it can do that and speak to us. Because it's a various way. It may not be the whole song. It could be only be the stanza. It may be a verse. And that's why we're just playing some songs today. Because while we interpret them a certain way, it's another way. But God's pulling everything out and showing that everything works toward my message. Everything's working that way. I'm sending Mary. Just like I sent out the apostles, Peter and Paul. I'm sending them. Why? Because she's got something to say. And she wouldn't give her this message, I'm in the wind, if there's a message in that. And things always, the Bible says, God never acts without giving his people warning. And so Mary's the answer. Peter was part of that. So was Paul. 
and it's blowing in the wind. Peter, Paul, and Mary. Do you think that band, Peter, Paul, and Mary, two apostles, the Virgin Mary, and that song, the answer is blowing in the wind, my friend, is by chance? No way. Listen to the words. This song asks nine questions. The answers to these questions could determine the fate of all of us in this next generation. she says is our sign, then we can exchange the word wind with our ladies. So the answer is in the wind. And where is that answer found? It's pointing us back to Genesis. You have Adam, the man, whose name Adam means the soil. 
to cultivate and care for it, talking about the garden. And the Lord God gave man this order. You are free to eat from any of the trees in the garden except for the tree of knowledge of good and bad. From that tree you shall not eat. The moment you eat from it, the moment you eat from it, you are surely doomed to die. In other words, you're going to be able to see, see things that you didn't see. Your eyes are going to be opened up. But you'll see everything that God didn't want you to see. It's not that God didn't want Adam to see. He wanted him not to see apart from God. And that's God. He's given us everything. He wants to illuminate us. But in the Garden of Eden, they didn't know even what evil was. And so the woman was lied to. She hurt God. And she did what wasn't supposed to be. So Genesis goes on and talks about making Eve. So God puts Adam in a deep sleep. Eve's made of him, the only human that's ever come from a man. And God brought Eve to him. And man said, this one at last is a bone of my bones, the flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman. For out of her man, this one has been taken. They walked to the garden naked with no shame. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all animals that the Lord God had made. The serpent asked the woman, did God really tell you not to eat from any of the trees in the garden? The woman answered the serpent, we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. It is only about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that God said, you shall not eat or even touch, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die. No, God knows well that the moment you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And there was never supposed to be silent. She was not supposed to talk to the serpent. And silence is golden. And when she ate from that tree, she hurt God. And she hurt herself. And every being on earth since that time. Because suddenly they knew what evil was. They didn't know it before that. And therefore they didn't know how to do evil. And the enticement of evil is so strong. Through the woman. And today the same way. Because it's the woman who Adam told not to eat. And man's not in charge. And she's enticed by things outside of what she wasn't supposed to be doing. And the pain that she caused God came back upon her too. So Adam and Eve's eyes were opened. The whole world followed cheap talk, just like a bunch of sheep. And it doesn't know even where it's going today. And today the fallenness is from woman. How many times has she fallen for those lines of the devil in the garden? That she does the same thing in modernism today. How many times does she fall for his lines? Not lies. There are lies. But his favorite lines. Get your career. Do that. Do this. Self magazine. Everything about that. Your own, you need your own personal time. You need to take care of self. 
And she doesn't take care of her husband. Oh, many would say, oh, I do. But their life is centered now on their children or on the self. And God the Father is not in the family because the Father is God in the family. Well, he don't act like it. Maybe in your family you say, it doesn't matter. He sits in that chair. And while he's imperfect compared to God, he still represents God's authority. And this is the fallenness of man because Eve did not obey her husband, thereby did not obey God. And what did he do? Adam, he followed her. And so we're in a great period of silence right now from heaven. It was July 25th, 1982, where Our Lady said, Concerning hell today, what is today? July 25th, 1982. Today, many people go to hell. Can you imagine that being said then, that those people who are going to hell, who do everything that's wicked, are rejecting God, none of which who would adopt the idea that it would be okay for a man to marry a man, a woman the same way, a woman. They wouldn't even advocate at that point, and yet our lady says today, July 25th, 1982, in the 80s, the 60s, the 70s, 80s, many people today go to hell. What is happening now? Where are we? How do we go from this point to the point of now when we're conceiving things that's unimaginable? I doubt very few people that were going to hell, if you interviewed them before they died, for two months before they died, whether it's through an accident, through cancer, whatever, hey, what do you think about a man Say he's not a man, he could say he's a woman, or he's both things, or other 50 other gender types, things that have come up? They wouldn't even that, though they're ordained and destined to hell by their sins, would subscribe to that. So what does it mean today, and how can Our Lady start at this period of time, 1981, appearing, and we have all the silence against these sins. Yes, our lady says many people sin, this is happening, keep the commandments, etc. But she's not addressing these things directly. Why? Because the great silence, the great silence of revelations, where it said in chapter 8, when the Lamb broke open the seventh seal, there was a silence in heaven for about a half an hour. What does that mean? What is that silence about? It can be compared to when you hear your mother say, wait till your dad gets home. And that 30 minutes before he gets home, you're in agony if your daddy was a discipline like mine. The waiting was as bad as the punishment. That silence and so in the footnotes, in the Bible where it speaks about this silence, it states, silence in heaven, a prelude to the eschatological woes that are to follow. Our Lady is here, and heaven is silence of what's happening, and what we're owed, and the dues that have to be paid for what's happening, how we degraded, is coming. I remember as a child, maybe being 11, 12 years old, in my neighbor's yards, there was five or six of us playing chase or whatever, and suddenly we stopped. The sun was not out. It was a summer day, spring, sultry day, 
And suddenly there was a pressure, a complete pressure in the air dropped. I'd never experienced that before, nor have I ever experienced it since. There was a dramatic thing that actually stopped us from running. We all looked at each other and we said, this must be a tornado coming. There was no wind. Everything was perfectly still, a calm that I've never experienced before. And I guess it's the barometric pressure, but if you ever see where it drops instantaneous from one second to the next to 10 or 20 pounds, it's a dramatic and very incredible feeling. This ominous, it's an ominous feeling. And I remember saying, there's got to be a tornado coming somewhere. It didn't come, but we felt that. And from 1981 to now, we're in something like that. We're in a calm, just like the Bible says, it's a prelude to the woes that's coming. And we know Mariana said that we're entering into the moments of the secrets. So this song we're about to play speaks of something about a boy and a girl, or a man or woman, or a husband or wife. But God can pull out these songs now that's in the past, hear them now in a whole nother way. Because God can pull out of things that were designed for one thing and even the evil or mundane things or neutral things and turn it toward speaking to us today. And he speaks this silence. If Eve would have been silenced, it would have been golden because she would have been saved, man would have been saved, but she wasn't silent. And this is what's going on in society today. Today, many people are going to hell. 1982. What more are going now to hell? And it is around the woman. And all heaven watches, all the men in heaven, all the women in heaven, all the angels in heaven, God the Father, everybody is looking at the Virgin Mary, the woman, because it's in her hands to come here now for 36 years with a golden silence who didn't have original sin, who didn't bite the apple, and who remained pure and holy. We will not escape what's coming. Mariana getting the seventh secret was distraught. She couldn't think of anything. She called nuns. She called convents. She called priests. She told everybody, pray, pray, pray to stop this seventh secret. It's so horrible some kind of calamity. After eight months of everybody praying fervently, Our Lady was approached in apparition, and Mariana says, what about the seventh secret? And Our Lady relayed to Mariana, the seventh secret has been lessened, but don't ever ask for this again, because God's will must be done. Can you imagine that? Something for the whole world so desperate that Mariana is in a frantic eight months of prayer to stop it. And God's stuck. They're pouring these prayers to Our Lady. And I could just see Our Lady going before God the Father with her son interceding for this, to stop this. And he has to come up with something to answer all these prayers. Okay, I will lessen it, but 
it is not going to be stopped because the sins of the man are so serious that this has to be dealt with. There has to be a woe. The scriptures talks about the seven woes. And so this is the seventh. This is something that the number seven was used of one of those this lesson. But the biggest thing with this is that God didn't wipe it away because of the silence of heaven for all these years with what atrocities we're committing against God, that Our Lady has practiced a silence that's golden. In Revelation, it talks about that one of the angels was holding a golden censer, a bow, something that holds incense. And what is incense does? It rise up to heaven. Was this a symbolic instrument of judgment in response to prayer? And that's what happened with Mariana. In response to prayer, there's a mitigating of the judgment, but it didn't wipe away, which says how serious our situation is. And the fact that she says, don't ever ask this again. In other words, don't put God in a position of taking away of what he's going to do. So he cut him off. You may go to your parents for a favor. They give it to you, but don't ever come back to me. Ask this again. you got to earn your own keep from now on.
I want to ask, though, that because there's a lot of confusion, quote-unquote confusion, today amongst the young people, and what we know about man and woman and people who think they are what they are, how much of that, though, do you think is, well, for example, nature has automatic mechanisms built into it. If this happens, then this happens. Because there's an absence of womanhood and an absence of manhood is how much of it is nature kicking in and creating that. But because of sin, it's, in the, it's going in the opposite direction. In other words, the absence of womanhood and motherhood in the home is turning boys into girls because nature in our case, sinful nature, is kicking in an automatic mechanism to create womanhood, but because of sin, it's deformed. And the same thing about manhood and fatherhood, because that's absent in the home, how much, instead of it being a, a direct attack from Satan, I guess is, my, is what I'm asking, how much of it do you think is a natural mechanism that kicks in to create what's there, what's not actually really there. It's really a simple principle. There's a consequence for every good. There's a consequence for every bad. It's proven biblically. God said, I'll bless you for a thousand generations. I'll curse you for four generations. I will bless you for four generations. I'll curse you for a thousand generations for evil. You can't get away from consequences of your actions. As the Bible says, not a a word will go away or can be passed away. Not even a letter, not even a part of a letter. Everything has a reaction to what the action is. And since Eve ate the apple, we entered a time of fallenness. Fallenness is always there. Nothing is perfect in the world anymore. And there is always a reaction. So we have confusion in the genders of people today as a consequence of divorce and not holding the family together where there's clear roles. And that if you stray from that or you weaken that, you breed what we have now. And of course, this is what they wrote in Humana Vitae. When birth control came about, Pope Paul VI wrote, this would happen. And everything's coming unglued. And there's no bottom to it. It just keeps going and going and going. We, we're hearing things that we didn't have the capacity to imagine evil could come up with because we, though are fallen, and what happened in the Garden of Eden, we were illuminated, man was, and we learned evil. We had to progress in evil to get to the next level. It's like first grade. You start off one plus one is two. By high school, you're going into algebra, or you're going into calculus. You can't know that when you're in first grade. 
And that's why Lady wants us to stay in first grace. She wants the purity, the innocence. She don't want us to go to the calculus part of sin that we've created that illuminates a sin that was not conceivable on a certain level. In our community with our children, we don't let them say words that most people would say, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't say B-U-T-T in this community. And we don't let nobody talk in front of us saying that. We don't say, if there's a reference to smoking, we say smoking. We don't even call what the, the thing is. We might say the C-I-G word. We don't say that. It's not part of our language. And I don't know of any community of people that's ever been here, that's even left here, that has started that because we don't do that. Because if you hold a high standard that you don't say even things that would mean something else, like golly, or even how people throw around, oh, God, I'm saying that in the sense of the example, we don't allow that. We'll come down on our rock. It's disrespectful. Did you know every time Our Lady appears, she says, praise be Jesus. Do you know when Our Lady says that or she says that in a message? She bows her head every time. Ask Maria, every time you've seen her for 30 whatever years, she says the word Jesus. She says she always bows her head. And she's saying Jesus in a holy way. She's not saying when you're working on a car and you bust your knuckles, you say, oh, Jesus. She says it with reverence. And she gives a physical sign acknowledgement of his name. That means with our kids, we want to hold them at a high level of even our verbiage. Because if the wrongs are minor wrongs compared to what people are doing, they won't go to the major wrongs. And that's where we are today. We've degraded the things that were unimaginable were people that were going to hell, that haven't been hell, that are in hell today, that when they were alive would never accept some of the things we're doing today. Think about that. Well, I mean, we're talking to, you're talking to an audience that has never probably looked or seen a lot of these kinds of examples, but there are times in history that we know that man degraded to a very deep, deep point that we're so far removed from them that we haven't even that we don't even recognize that they had existed before us. That can be explained in the notebooks written by Maria Vitorta, who saw the life of Christ, which the church has ruled. The faithful can read it. Just do not declare it supernatural. And I'm okay with that because that's how things work. As people go into that and read it throughout the decades, they'll make another ruling on it. But a lady said one must read these, point man God. But she wrote a series called The Notebooks, and in there it talks about why man, through sin, is cursed and how he's been corrupted. Maria Vitor explains, Christ explains to her why and how that happened. So Maria Vitor wrote back in the 1940s or so, and something that Jesus had revealed to her about Genesis, an obscure verse that's in the book of Genesis, and he, Jesus is kind of telling her to read this particular verse, and the verse was about or how the sons of heaven saw how beautiful the daughters of man were, and so they took for their wives as many as they chose, and then it refers to the Nephilim, which appeared on earth, and what the Bible says, they were the heroes of old, the men of renown, and so Jesus is explaining that when Adam and Eve sinned, they fell, and but they had only sinned against God. 
Cain killed his brother Abel and therefore sinned against neighbor as well as sinning against God. And so when the sons of Cain became what was what the Bible calls the sons of man, and when Adam and Eve had a new son, Seth, they still he was they were still the sons of God. And so Jesus is explaining that this obscure verse in the book of Genesis is basically saying that they had degraded in sin and because and they had mixed together and they got advanced in sin so far advanced that they became like beasts and in the notebooks jesus said that when satan takes over a soul he takes over in every element and so he said that when men become beasts they have a desire for beasts and that the lust has no limits and so essentially he's he was explaining that what scientists refer to as the ape man or the Neanderthal man were the result of these unions where it was literally beastly and that this was so abhorrent to God that he buried it under the weight of the flood. Today, many people are going to hell. Sin and the degradation it brings to society deteriorates. The salt is going to fly. Our lady said, be salt of the earth to preserve. And when you're pure and you are walking in that and living the commandments and in repentance and fasting, everything, things in your soul becomes more beautiful. And I've always described that that will literally affect physically your beauty. Our lady said, I'm beautiful because I love. That said, what Valtorta writes in this dictation is only common sense. Have you noticed and being where I have to do a lot of traveling what I do, I see this for years. The beauty's gone away. And really beauty is defined in the personage of woman. And actually Mary is the most beautiful creature outside of God created above all the angels every human ever existed. We know that. The visionaries tell the beauties it, it doesn't exist. And to the degree that purity is the more beautiful she is and love. But women are getting ugly. You go to the airports, you look at the models, you see people walking around, what they're imitating, their countenances. Even, even the, well, the point I was just making about physically manifest, if your heart and you're troubled or you're angry, you see it in the countenances of people. And that really affects your beauty, even if you may have features of beauty. It makes you ugly. But there is a physical thing I've watched for the last two or three decades, and you can too, that women are becoming more and more ugly, which therefore men would be the same way. They don't have taste. Just look at the models at the airports. They are monsters. When you get off a plane in Italy, and you see the billboards inside of the hallways of the corridors of the airport. They are monsters. I'm saying literally they are monsters. If you've been there the last two years, they've been using a campaign of three or four models, and they got all kind of robotic arms and everything, and they're just vile. There's something from hell. And I used to walk around Paris and look at modern art, and one day I was walking through there, and I looked at some modern art and it's, it's features of human traces in these paintings. 
so distorted, so deformed, so ugly. And I remember Visca saying, if you live heaven on earth, you won't feel the passage from this life to the next. If that's the case, Michelangelo said he did his artwork for the conversion of sinners, for the glory of God, and his own salvation. And he could not do his artwork and the beauty that he did it in without inspiration into his heart for the purpose of what he was doing, and God touched him. Michelangelo did something beyond his talent because when he painted the scene of Adam touching God's finger, Michelangelo was touching the beauty of God in his artwork. This man could not do what he did purely on his talent, which was tremendous, because he had to have the inspiration of purity of really wanting to do this for God's glory. And when you do that, you see things beautiful. Caritas is beautiful. Our building is beautiful because we built it for God. There's a beauty in it that you don't see anywhere else. We just had two county people here from the county come in doing the typical things that they do for taxes and inspection. They were blown away. We had no idea this was here. This is beautiful. We hear this all the time. Why? Because we did it for the glory of God, not for the glory of man, the glory of ourselves. Look at our beautiful building. We hid it. It's a hidden place. You don't see it from the road. And so everything we built here, everything we're doing, every action is for God's glory. And it's beautiful all the way down to the way of life. And actually, this propagates into physical beauty and the races all the level through, are becoming uglier and uglier. And why would it not be a consequence of sin? And so we have this. We have this throughout our culture. Uh, Ugly women, ugly families, ugly churches, ugly. The Tabernacle of Our Lady's message is, is beautiful compared to churches. And it's a factory. Yes, there's three chapels. But there's no sense of beauty. There's the, everything is turned ugly because of the sin. And it goes on and it's out of control and it's not going to get any more beautiful. The only thing that's going to happen is what you do with everything else is damaged or wrecked. You burn it in a fire and it's purified. And ashes are left. And we're headed that as a culture. In the year 2525 If man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may fly. In the year 3535, ain't gonna need to tell the truth, tell no lies. Everything you think, do, and say. Sixty-five, sixty-five Ain't gonna need no husband 
man has cried a billion tears For what he never knew Now man's reign is through But through eternal night The twinkling of starlight So very far away Maybe it's only yesterday says and nobody's going to look at you you're going to need your teeth you're not going to need your eyes it's amazing you know they're doing implants for teeth and of course it's not just taking a pill to survive but the thing that struck me in, in this song is nobody's going to look at you reflects the society we have today is selfish everything's pointed towards self and that conjures up a thought well what about relationships what about getting married or the attraction between man and woman to start courtships whatever but we're, we're going to a self-centered culture of things that we can't even imagine. Nobody's going to look at you. Conjured up a, a thought of something I listened to about a month ago. It was unbelievable. And it's about getting invitations to a wedding of yourself. And this is happening. People are marrying themselves. They're actually sending out invitations to it and that you go and you marry yourself in a church you say that's unbelievable yes it's unbelievable they played clips of people talking about this what they did or i received this invitation i sent this out and i'm in love with myself scary stuff very very scary A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. Some young women today are taking that sentiment to heart in dramatic fashion by getting married to themselves. Here's ABC's Lindsay Davis. By all accounts, <laughs> Erica Anderson's wedding was perfect. I was like on cloud nine. It was just delightful. She had the wedding dress, the ring, the vows. <laughs> I choose you today. All the accoutrements of a traditional wedding. I want this to be so easy. Got rosé <laughs> and yeah, had like 20, 30 friends over. The only thing missing, the groom. I will throw the bouquet somewhere. <laughs> the 36-year-old tying the knot was all about making a formal commitment to the love of her life, herself. Yeah, I've been told I'm a great catch and today I'm catching myself. In the year 65, 65, ain't gonna need no husband, won't need no wife. You pick your son, pick your daughter too. From the bottom of a long glass tube, whoa, whoa. We have arrived at a point where we don't need husband or wife. 
We got birth control. We do all these things. We got to know if it's a boy or girl. We got to know what's going to happen to it. If something's wrong with the baby in the womb, we just dispense it like a piece of garbage. We're so self-centered that we are doing what the song says. We won't need a husband and wife. Nobody will look at you. Everything's on self. And it's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Eve was thinking about self. And the woman today is the same way. The song in the beginning said, Will man still be alive? But then it accentuates woman. Will woman survive? In the year 2525, if man is still alive, if woman can survive, they may fly. But Erica far from alone. She joins a small yet growing number of women from around the world. Women like Yasmin Ellaby. She celebrated her 40th birthday by saying I do. Her mother even walked her down the aisle. One giant step for me, one small step for single womankind. These ceremonies are just one way in which many women are embracing a modern day reality. There are more single women than ever. This concept is slowly going mainstream. Dearly beloved, we are gathered today to join Sue Sylvester and Sue Sylvester in holy matrimony. And the wedding industry is taking notice. The I Married Me kit is essentially a starter kit for self-marriages, complete with a single ring, a handful of vows, and a price tag that ranges from $45 to $230. For now, she says she's happily married, and this is certainly one marriage that won't end in divorce. Someone else here be so lucky to marry themselves. In New York, I'm Lindsay Davis for Nightline. not surviving in the role today and therefore man cannot act out in the role as who they are today and all this goes back again to who sent to heaven except the woman the woman of revelations now all these songs are very prophetic very profound when you break them down and see to the messages you, i couldn't have said this i couldn't have seen this before 1981 or when i came into medjugorje reading the messages everything points prophetically, even in these songs of the 60s and 70s particularly, of what our lady is doing right now. These are amazing things in front of us. But our lady said, observe well the signs of the times. And the signs of the times are 60 songs 
what they said and what we thought they meant then, what they say and speak now is completely different because it's addressing our lady various messages to us. In Mariana's book, she says, Our Lady told me many things that I cannot yet reveal. For now, I can only hint at what our future holds. This is Mariana, a recent book, saying something about the secrets. She goes on and says, But I do see indications that the events are already in motion. She's saying here, she can't say anything about what she knows and what I just told her. But for now, I can do some hinting. And I'm telling you what the future holds. I see indications that's happening now that events are already in motion. Already in motion for what? She continues, things are slowly starting to develop. We've never had this. Out of Medjugorje, confirmation. We know what we feel it. We know what Our Lady says. We know what she's told in the message. But here's the one who talks to Our Our Lady. Here's the one who's got the 10 secrets written on a parchment. Here's the one who's been told the most about these things. And she reveals a lot by saying this. She continues, as Our Lady says, look at the signs of the times and pray. And then Mariana goes and gives an analogy of what the Clintons and all the crime and all the people and all the crookedness has brought in the degradation of the world that we've developed to now. We have people thinking they can marry, not people, women who think they can marry themselves, women who think they can marry self because they're a failure at every other relationship. The only one they can live with is themselves. Eventually, they won't live with themselves because they'll get so depressed that they themselves want to end self. That's where it is, self-destruction. If you think that much about you and you realize who you are every time you look into a mirror, you're not going to last. You're not going to live long. You'll end that because everything is pointed to you as God and your maker and the creator. And you have nobody to depend on outside of yourself and you make yourself your God. So here's something most profound about Mariana, what she says in her book, because this follows what she says she can't reveal it for now, but that there's indications that the events are already in motion and slowly starting to develop. We're in the moment of the secrets being released. And this is astounding what she says after this. She says, I compare it to a spring cleaning. If I want my home to be spotless, I know that I have to first turn everything upside down. Wait a minute. She's saying, I'm going to explain and compare this to the secrets, what's coming. And when I clean up, everything's turned upside down. So purification is about what? Turning everything upside down? To do what? Purification means what? Purify, clean. I have to first turn everything upside down, she says, and she continues. I move the sofa. I stack the chairs on the table. I open all the cupboards. Nothing remains in place. Yvonne said there'll be physical changes upon the earth. Throughout history, when purification happens, like in Pompeii, 
Everything's changed. Everything goes away. Times are changing. And the world's in a position where in 1917, a 14-year-old girl can go to purgatory to the end of the world for what she lived on this little bit short life of hers. And that we wonder what kind of upside-down world we're going to go into to get purified. I open all the cupboards. Nothing remains in place. Nothing remains in place. That reminds me of October 25th, 1985, when Mariana is shown the first secret. And she says, it is an upheaval in a region of the world. And the world, there are so many sins. So back to her analogy, she writes, nothing remains in place. My home is thrown into chaos and disorder. So what does that mean when she says, my home is thrown into chaos and disorder? It means when you make an analogy of what she knows about what she's seen and what's going to come to the world, is that everything's going to be thrown into chaos. Everything's going to be put in disorder. Why? Because you've got to clean the house, you've got to turn everything upside down into disorder to bring order. That's what purification is about. She's telling and revealing a secret. And people say, oh, it's not calamity. It's not chastisement. What is this about? She goes on and says, it's unrecognizable to my children, and the peace is gone. You mean, if you're going to turn your house upside down, you're going to clean everything, there's no peace in the house? Why? Well, you can't move through the house. You can't get up in the middle of the night and navigate through it. You don't have a bed to sleep in. You're doing everything. You're doing a complete overhaul. And that's what the world needs. It needs a total, complete Overhaul, a rebuild. If you rebuild a house that is over a century years old, two centuries years old, you can keep remodeling it for a long time. But at some time, at some point, it's got to be destroyed. It's got to be leveled and rebuilt. The world is there. It's too complex. We can't legislate ourselves out of our situations. We can't moralize ourselves back to good. We can't create things even in the church that's going to make things right because everything is so far on the plank off the ship that it's got to fall into the water die and drown and be reversed and be resurrected so repeating what she says it's unrecognizable the world's going to be unrecognizable as we know it. Life as we know it is not going to continue as we know it. It's unrecognizable to my children, and the peace is gone. But then I clean under everything. I wipe away all the grime. Let me stop right here again. Mariana is writing this down. She's not just dictating this. There is thought in this. She is basing these words on what she knows is coming and what's going to happen. It's not a flippant, off-the-cuff statement. This is something she's pondered for a long time. This is well thought out. When I write, I go back and read over and over and over to make sure it's what I want it to say and what I want it to mean. You don't write these things in books. Say, I'm just going to dictate you go do it. Somebody probably helped her with the book. You don't write without a lot of thought process into it and reviewing it. And you want what you say to be there. It didn't get in this book of hers without she putting it there 
for the purpose of what she's saying. I can't tell you about the secrets, but I'm going to tell you what it's going to be about. And so she gives a parable, just like Jesus. This is what's going to happen. It's like spring cleaning. You're going to clean everything up. You're going to lose your peace. It's not fun. It's aggravating. It's nasty. It's grimy. You can't even eat in your own kitchen. My wife, on the second child we had, we bought an older house. And she was about to have a second child, Casey. I had to move her out because the house was like 80 years old. We tore things down. It was so nasty. You had the rock wool in it, insulation. You had the horsehair plaster on the walls with slats. And I would work, and I was covered with filth. I didn't feel at peace, but I worked and worked and worked. She had to move out for two weeks. I didn't want her breathing this stuff. And I worked like a dog to get this fixed up and cleaned up. But you know what came out of that is beauty, something very beautiful. But it took a lot to do it. She said, I clean under everything. I wipe away all the grime. I put every piece of furniture back in its rightful place. In the end, my home is more immaculate than ever. Purification is coming. You've got a choice to change your life now. These songs and these things we're talking about this 100th year anniversary has purpose because we're ending what is becoming more and more apparent that nobody thought about it and we didn't think about it, that 100-year reign of Satan. And so now we're at the point as things are starting to develop, quote, from Mariana, and the signs of time she's showing us, that just like Pompeii was full of sin, I've walked the streets of Pompeii. I've been there. And actually, I did things I shouldn't have done, or, or rather, I shouldn't have done. I'm glad I did it. I did things I wasn't supposed to do. I crawled underneath the grates and got in some of the houses because I was exploring at that point. I was probably a junior or senior in high school. And you do stupid things like that. And the people are laying in plaster where the bodies left a cavity after they rotted, after 2,000 years. And the archaeologists came in and pumped the cavity with plaster. And these people were, died on their elbows laying down as the lava filled around them because they were trying to stand up. You see facial features on them. You saw this agony. But one thing I saw there is degradation. The, the frescoes and the, and the tile and everything showed that they lived a very promiscuous life. And they were living life to the hilt, just like today. And in a moment's notice, Pompeii was covered. I was left to my own devices Many days fell away with nothing to show And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love Grey clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above but if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? We were caught 
caught up and lost in all of our voices In your pose as the dust settles around us And the walls kept tumbling down in the city that we love Grey clouds roll over the hills, bringing darkness from above but if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? Oh, where do we begin? The rubble of our sins Oh, where do we begin? The rubble of our sins And the walls came tumbling down In the city that we love Grey clouds roll over the hills Bringing darkness from above Close your eyes does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? And if you close your eyes Does it almost feel like you've been here before? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? How am I gonna be an optimist about this? If you close your eyes Does it almost feel like nothing changed at all? SOEC, like the Pompeii song said, if you close your eyes, it doesn't feel like nothing's changed at all. And it's nothing. Nothing's changed at all. We're just replaying what's in history, except now we're at a level of sin that it's almost like mass production, like the Model T Ford. We've learned to how to do things and sin in ways that was not conceivable to man for millennials. And so Mariana says... In the end, my home is immaculate as ever. And then she ends. This is the end of the book. She ends with the statement of what I just told you. She adds only this. This is how I see all the confusion in the world today. This is how I see all these apparitions and God's plans. She's revealing the secret without revealing it. I see our lady's apparitions and God's plans. A truly clean house starts with a big mess. Will you be like most children who stand back while mom cleans? Or will you not be afraid to get your hands dirty and help her? That's what we do here at the community. We work ourselves to death. We sacrifice our life for the salvation of the world. We see our lady's plans. I said, I have a great plan for the salvation of the world. We want to be a part of that. In the time of grace, we don't want to wait and have our house crushed down upon us. We want to be the one that cleans up our acts, our own souls, our own temple, our own body. You've got the opportunity to do that. And with this 100th year anniversary, it's an opportunity that will not avail itself again. This is a singular moment. At a time that I said in the 1990s on June 25th, you are in a particular time. This is an appointment with destiny. Destiny of time that Mary is here 
for something the world has never seen before. Nor experienced, you say, well, no in the flood. This seven and a half billion people on the earth today, never have we had these kind of numbers. Never have we had so many people rejecting what's true. So Mariana ends her book with these words. Mom cleans. Will you be like most children who stand back while mom cleans or will you not be afraid to get your hands dirty? Help her. Like Our Lady said in one of her messages, I desire that through love our hearts may triumph together. May the triumph of her heart begin with you. The end is her last words. Mariana goes to her book and she gives us a, a shot of adrenaline telling us a great deal about the secret. Not what it is, not what's going to happen, but an analogy that's unmistakable about the ten secrets. And the purpose of all of them put together as a whole is to turn the world upside down. Because when things get so chaotic, so much chaos, you can't fix it. God cannot fix this problem through human behavior anymore. It's only if it's burned down. Only if it's put to the fire. The fire of purification. And we see it in a mini scene in something like Pompeii. That's just a geographical small spot on the earth. But the whole earth needs purification. And this is a big moment. We're at the end of the hundred years. I'm here to fulfill what I began in Fatima. Medjugorje is the big granddaddy of everything, of all apparitions. And it's in our songs from the 60s. It's in the signs. It's in nature. It's in our people. It's in everywhere. The church can't fix itself. The world can't fix itself. And I can't even fix myself. Our Lady is meriting for us what we're receiving for her that we can't merit anymore. So it's going to take some deep reflection to know our next steps. Because we don't know what we're stepping into. But one thing I believe with all my heart, we're stepping into a mess. So we can take the next step to get out of a mess. Mariana's given us the analogy, which gives us the insight. Thank God we're here. Thank God we have the time of grace. You must reflect, think, and act. Our Lady has told us, don't waste time. You're not its masters. The clock is ticking. Everything is in her hands. And she's asked for us, you and me, to be her extended hands. So she's placed it in our hands, in essence, for the whole future of your family, your children, your world, and many souls and their salvation depends on you. We're under heavy responsibility. 
Will we carry it correctly? No. Will we fail? Yes. But with her, everything will triumph. We wish you our lady. We love you. Good night.